This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 20. And when you slam down the hammer, can you see it in your heart? Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 20. Uh, every week, uh, the crew of iFanboy, which is myself, Josh, and Connor. Hello. And Ron. I'm back. 
We read comics and then post up on the website about what we think the best one of the week was, and then we talk about it in this here podcast. And this week, uh, with the return of Ron Richards, uh, we have his pick, so take it away. Thank you, Josh. It's good to be back. It's good to be uh, back on the podcast. Anyway, um, so this week was a, was a um, it was actually a pretty uh, average week in the number of books I bought. I bought about 10 comics, but it was above average in terms of the quality across those 10 comics. It was a very good week. Yeah, it was. Um, Josh, do you concur or no? I, I, yeah, I mean, I actually bought a lot of books for me, and I had, um, and they you were buy good. books for other people, almost? <laughs> no, I, it, I, it's a relative term. You guys, when you buy oh, a lot of books, for me, lot of books. I, I got it. I and when I don't, when I think I have a big week, it would be a small week for you. I, I don't buy as many comics as you guys. Because gotcha. I'm, because I'm, I'm without love. <laughs> anyway, money. so, um, so I, I, um, like I said, I had a lot. You know, I picked bought about ten books. Of those ten books, a good six or seven were in the running for the pick of the week this week. It's it's it was a hard pick for me. Um, I bought a lot of the average Marvel fare and a lot of you know mutant books like Uncanny and X Factor Four and New Excalibur and Ultimates Two. Ultimates Two issue ten was out, and so there's a lot of Marvel team up. A lot of good stuff to consider, but I, I I think I surprised some people with my pick of Infinite Crisis number five. That was a shocker. A shocker. Um, My mother was just freaked out. I'm she sure called she left, me. And she left a message on the machine. <laughs> left a long message. Yeah. Anyway, but um, it was, that was it, a weird joke, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> Only five people will get that the, joke. No, the point. No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> layers upon layers. I did it again. <laughs> anyway, Mel Gibson. So, um, so Infinite Crisis was a, was an interesting pick for me because I'm not a DC guy. I I enjoyed enjoyed DC from afar. Admittedly, I buy the Flash regularly and I buy JLA, and then I'll pick up like I picked up Teen Titans for a little bit. I picked up you know um, that's really it. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll I like he to, caught an episode of the Batman on TV one yeah. day. <laughs> I like I like to watch from afar. You know, like it's it's not something that I'll follow, but I kind of like to keep abreast every and every now and then I'll attack Connor of our instant messenger and say, okay, who's this person? What are they doing? What what, what does this mean? And you know, so that said. I've been reading Infinite Crisis since the first issue, and I got no idea what's going on. I mean, I literally... I, I have a vague idea. There are multiple Earths, and Alexander Luthor and Superboy, and there's an old Superman and a de- dead Lois, and stuff's happening, but that's it. I'm done. There. But it was the best book you read. It was the best book I read, because not because of the you know confusing plot and the, the, the layers of, of, of subtleties and characters and the ramifications for the greater DC universe. Rather, it was good for two reasons. One, we talk about um, you know writing and the story so much because you know this decade, I guess that's what we're about now, about comics, about quality of the story and the writing, which is a good thing to be about. But um, for the first time in a while, the art really kind of jumped out at me. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the combination of um, you know one of my favorites, Phil uh, Jimenez or Jimenez or however you want to pronounce it, and um, and the kind of classical, almost like old school style of Jerry Ordway, which worked in the context of the story, which was half the story was on the Earth Two, which is the more fifties style Silver Age Earth, and then Earth the regular Earth, which is the modern Earth. So they, that really worked story wise. Which is fascinating because I had no idea that Jerry Ordway's pages were on Earth Two. But oh. I'll go. I'll, it makes sense now, so I'll go with it. Yes, that's what it was. But um, <laughs> that's just, that's just how confusing the story is. But um, I don't know why I loved this, but I loved it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a DC guy, and I was confused because uh, the opening. I felt like I'd missed an issue. Something. Yeah. Yes. Somewhere. You you feel like there's there's things in between. They're at church, and they're there. It's, it's, it's I didn't know. Part of it's to do with the fact that these last few issues have been really delayed. 
Yeah, well... That's the worst feeling in comics. I hate that. That, that you read two to three pages, and then you look at the number, and you go, <laughs> do I remember the last issue? And then like, occasionally, it'll make you go back to your little stack, and you'll be like, no, there's 54. Well, that, well that, that's a, the, the problem is, well, luckily Marvel's got those little recap pages, which have, which honestly have been helpful, because there have been issues of Uncanny where I'm like, I must have missed an issue. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't miss an issue. And it sucks because the way I manage my collection, I can't, because I, I I keep all my, my, my long boxes in storage. So once I file them away, it's a pain in the ass to go back and pull books out. So I can't go back. So it's like, I just got to roll with it. So that, I love I love that Marvel feature. I think that's one that's of the most great, useful things great. ever. I mean, do you remember back in the 90s when they had like the gatefold cover and they explained the characters? That was the, yep. Really, really great thing. Really expensive too, I think. But it was, um, but that was genius, and the the recap thing is great, is perfect. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so um, because you know these books are months at a time, and and there's no way, and reading ten books a week, you know, on average, you can't. I honestly, you can't keep track of everything. You know, plus like, TV, plus yeah, plus work, you know, yeah, so. the internet. Yeah. Anyway, um, but so so the art really jumped out at me, and the art was really you know kind of like I, I enjoyed it. But the the thing that really pushed it over the edge, that that, that extra push off the cliff for me, um, was the fact that. This book kind of summed up the f- a feeling that happens in comics every now and then, more more often in the grand epic kind of stories. But um, it's what I like to call kind of like the rally moment, when it's you know typically at the end of Act Two, beginning of Act Three, when you know we've seen the conflict and the worst has happened, and the heroes are at their at their worst, and people. Are you mean dead. when Jimmy Fallon finally decides to marry Drew Barrymore? I didn't see that movie. Awful, awful. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm, but, um, so, I'm sorry. Your, not one of your better ones. <laughs> oh wait a minute! Was that the Red Sox movie? I did yes. See that. Yeah, I did see that movie. Wow, I forgot I saw it. <laughs> that's yeah. not good. That's not good at all. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, she ran across the field. Yeah, oh, stop! Anyway, <laughs> please. Did you know there's of the multiple Earths? There's one that's the shape of a square, like a cube. Is Isn't it? that the Bizarro? Is oh that yeah, the... that is Bizarro. Yeah, wow. that's neat. Anyway, look at me um, pulling that one out. Ah. So, um, but the, the so the back to the rally moment. It's a, the moment when you know the heroes are at their worst, and then and then it takes one or two or a group of them to kind of pick themselves back up and say, okay, this is what we're going to do, and 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 let's go do it, and that, that kind of charge, and and it's that energy that literally jumps off the page and had me like reading every page, going yeah, yeah, and like like getting very. Eleven-year-oldy with the comic again, and and um and a couple, you know, I, I've always enjoyed that moment. Like back in, you know, now almost fifteen years ago, I, if you guys remember the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries from Marvel, that's one of the best miniseries of all time. I, I actually have that too, Jim Starlin. Um, it would have been and, even better if George Perez had been able to finish it. That's true. Himself. But um, but there's that one moment, and I know it's the beginning of the, the the rally moment. But that one moment when Captain America stands up to Thanos, and and you know even though he does die, but um, he you know he, he Thanos is, thinks he's conquered the heroes, and is this all you have to offer? And Captain America stands up, and, and he says, "But you're a human, and he's, it doesn't matter because you're bad, and we're good, and we'll always prevail, and there'll always be another, there'll be someone right behind me standing up to you." And it's just that, yeah. And there's there have been you countless- need me on that wall. Wait, that's different. Sorry. <laughs> there, have, there have been countless moments of in the X Men books that I've read through the years. Like I remember in extinct the Extinction Agenda crossover, the moment when they when they became free and got their powers back and turned the tide. And there's always there's always some Cyclops standing, you know, legs, you know, like maybe like two feet apart, pointing at someone, and like all the X Men <laughs> behind him going, yeah, you know, like, and you know that, like, you know, like, don't fuck with the X Men, you know. So and they forget it that because it would be too much fun. They forget at that moment what a huge and utter tool Cyclops is. Hey, come on, <laughs> show some respect, all right? It's a leader. Uh, it's a lot of responsibility. I guess. Poor anyway. me. Zap, zap. <laughs> so, um. 
So, Infinite Crisis, no idea what's going on. I guess it means a lot to DC, but I'm ready for the next issue. Bring it on. And in three months, I'm sure I'll be enjoying it. Well, this... this, this <laughs> you know, Woo! There's a lot of really great moments um, in this book. It's Overall, it's really, it was really, really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, I liked the, the homage to the classic Superman image of him throwing, you know, crushing somebody with a car in the Earth 2 when the Supermans are fighting. The action comics homage? Right. Um... I liked the fact that this is all turning out to be a Lex Luthor plot, even if it is Lex Luthor Earth Two. He's it tricked. is. Yeah, if you if you notice, he tricked everybody. He tricked he tricked Superman and Superboy into helping him. He, he knew Lois would die. You didn't pick that up? Oh, that 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 fact is about six feet above my head with the rest of the facts of the story that I just completely missed. <laughs> didn't you hear him? He liked the Jerry Yard Wardway art. He liked the rally moment. And then I like when That's Nightwing enough. said, let's go! So, yeah. But, uh, I like the fact that it, it might t- might come down to Nightwing and Superboy saving yeah. everybody. Um, although there are two issues left, so who knows. Um, I liked I liked a lot of little things. Lex Luthor from Earth-1 finally taking ownership of his son, Superboy. Ownership? Uh, yeah, like, he never really, you know, right, said, I'm, know. You know, just... you're my son, I'm your father. Sounds like prison, I'm not reading it. <laughs> And uh, it was just a lot of little moments that were good in an overall good story. Cool. But. But there are problems. But. Problems beyond the fact that I just, I just ripped one of the pages. Um, I ripped the page out too just now. The what middle page? You, yeah. Came off the, the staple? Yeah, the one with yeah. Um, when, when, the hero, when Batman's meeting the heroes on the right side? Um, yes. Yeah, that exact page just ripped out of my book as well. And now I need to go buy another one. Literally just happened. Yeah. Um, better not. No, I won't. Um, here's the problem. This was the, my understanding of this whole event is that Infinite Crisis would, was this miniseries leading into the new status quo of the DC universe, which would be starting in year one year later storylines in 2007. Um, in 2007, or, and simultaneous to that would be the 52 miniseries coming out weekly, which would explain the year gap between Infinite Crisis and the DC, the other books. That was my understanding. These Infinite Crisis books have been late for various rumored reasons. Some, some of them are, some of them writing. It depends on who you believe. You believe. Um, there's two issues left of Infinite Crisis, assuming they don't add one like they did to OMAC. Uh, all <laughs> of a sudden it was in the seven, it was an eight-issue miniseries. Um, huh? But the one-year-later one book... Sometimes started... baby needs bigger pants. <laughs> yeah. True. But the one-year-later book started this week, so now we've got... Everything's jumped ahead. Um, it, it, it throws off the whole the whole flow of the story, because now things might be revealed in these one year later books, which haven't happened yet in Infinite Crisis. It might dilute, you know, moments in the, in the miniseries. And that's that just annoys me from an organizational standpoint. But you still bought uh, some of the one-year-laters? Sure, I mean, you have to, because they're the regular books. But, um, in the, obviously there's some cataclysmic event that ends this mini, the Infinite Crisis miniseries, which changes the whole... Or so you assume. Well, you assume, and that's what they've been saying, and if you... Right read the books, it's, it's changed the whole feel of the, of the universe, and I mean, the, I'm, not, I'm really looking forward to it. These books were really good, and it, I like the fact that it's bringing a big mystery back to the DCU, like what, what the whole thing will be what happened. But anyway. uh, You know, I, I, didn't, I think I didn't realize that they had started because they were just regular numbered. I think I thought they were going to renumber them or something like that. Well, so. some of the books are being rebooted, but for the most part, it's just a continuing numbered. Ah, so I, so I picked up... So confusing. I picked up three of the five... Um, on your later books, the best being Detective Comics eight seventeen, which I re- I think Josh um, you, should, you would like. It's written by James Robinson, 
who hates who, comic fans that writes good comics. He hates it's us. True. Um, because he, he directed and wrote the movie Comic Book Villains, which really made fun of comic book fans. But at the same time, like if you see him, he's like <laughs> he looks like an actor, and he's got tattoos, and he's English, and he's really he's cool. So cool, yeah. He looks uh... prick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, then. Detective Comics was so good that I read it, and in the middle of reading, I thrust a fist into the air. <laughs> <laughs> Start banging on your podium. I did. <laughs> we are warriors. <laughs> um. It you need crazy. me on that wall. Sorry. <laughs> Colonel Jessup shows up sometimes. Um, it was really good. Not the least of which is because Gordon is back as being a commissioner. Which Isn't is... he like 100 now? No, they don't age in comics. I know. He was pretty old when he left. He didn't leave... Well... Oh, let's not get into that. But the whole... <laughs> 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 He's been a missing element to the book for like five years. Yeah. And um, but it's a great storyline when he when he went away. And Bullock is back in the Force, and we don't know why something major happened. And Gotham hasn't seen Batman in a year, so that's another why. Why this is this is the first time Batman's been back in a year. So Connor, you're through the Looking Glass. I am, and it's good. It's really really good. I was really excited by it. <laughs> who 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 drew the who drew who was the artist on the on Leonard the Kirk? I don't know who that is. He's uh, Kirk. He's a- <laughs> <laughs> and Batman is back with Robin. Robin's got his new costume, and it's just—it's you know—it's good old Batman books, which ha- we haven't seen in a while. We're we excited. I, can I, I was actually really, really excited. We haven't seen it yeah. since, um, really, since Brubaker and Rucka left the books. Mm-hmm. Um, the KG Beast was killed, and G- Gordon's back as, as commissioner, and Batman and Robin are back together. And the, the signal's back, and something happened. Something. Some, there's like a timeline in in the book. He, Batman hasn't been seen in twelve months. Three, it's been three months since Gordon's been commissioner. Bullock's been back on the force since for nine months. You know, like they're they're setting up for like you're gonna look forward to in the fifty two miniseries. These events happening. That's so, kind of cool. It is cool. That makes Very me want to read fifty two. It makes it makes my head hurt. Uh what else you got? <laughs> what would you sell me on some one year later? Because I'm interested. I really like. I would like to get into some of these books again because I stopped because I wasn't interested. <laughs> Well, it's a detective comics, definitely. Aquaman, I really liked, and I, I feel, you know, loath to recommend Aquaman. Cause, Why? You know, he's an easy target. You guys make fun of my like. Hey, I like Aquaman. I have no problem with Aquaman. I don't. I don't care about Aquaman. I don't. I don't. I don't hear Aquaman and go, "Oh, that's stupid." Well, I don't that's, think well, that's anything. A, that's a point of view in of, a, of itself, then. Indifference. Well, this sure. Aquaman is written by Kurt Busiek. Um This is a, this is this one's a conundrum. This one's. This one's going to be an interesting book if it if it's done well. Does he have his hand? Well, here's the thing. This isn't Aquaman. This is a new Aquaman. Huh? But the book's this called is, Aquaman. It's called Aquaman. <laughs> the guy looks like Aquaman. His name is Arthur Curry. Does he have the beard? Hey, man, I don't know. About you. I, I may not be too smart, but my mom told me that if it looks like Aquaman and if it sounds like <laughs> Aquaman, that it's probably Aquaman. <laughs> don't do Oh, he did it. <laughs> well... It's oh. not, and it's revealed in the last page. Where uh, that makes it, no sense. I can't. Basically, the other Aquaman also was missing. <laughs> Very confusing. I know this. I really. When this is all done, I hope you go back and listen to the podcast and hear the pain in your voice as you try to explain this to us. Well, a lot of the pain in my voice is because I'm sick and my voice hurts. Excuses. But, excuses. Um, Can I ask you one question? Sure. What, is he is he grizzled? No, he hasn't been grizzled. He looks, he looks like a pretty boy in the cover. He hasn't been grizzled in over a year. 
Yeah, he's been pretty boy. Listen, um, I, I the only time I've ever been interested in Aquaman was when he was grizzled, and if he's not grizzled, if he's not be if he's not bearded and surly. Yeah. Well, Aquaman's always surly. It's just the bearded I, part. Okay. That's I have, grizzled. Is this new Aquaman surly? Well, this new Aquaman's very confused because he. <laughs> so he's not surly yet. This this guy, this mysterious <laughs> guy from the deep. Oh god! Uh, I have I have I have one question too about Aquaman. Yes, yes, On the cover, he's holding a sword, yes. which is interesting because well, it's yes. called because it's called Sword of Atlantis. That and a sort of a. It's, it's, I bet that's it. And then there's a guy behind him that looks like a shark man. Is this the same shark man from the Green Lantern series <laughs> that we recently read? No. So there are multiple shark men running around the DC universe. That's no. your problem right there with the DC universe. Multiple shark men? Shark men. Well, look, lots of things in the deep that we don't know about. Who's the shark man? He's king of the sharks. Ah, <laughs> king of the sharks. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not buying it. <laughs> Aquaman's got a sword. You seriously want me to read a book where there's a guy who's like, oh yeah, I'm king of the sharks. Someone's got to be king of the sharks. <laughs> no, the sharks can be a republic with one man, one vote, and <laughs> like, why does it have to be a monarchy? Maybe that'll be an issue later on. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But if it's a corporation, the he's the CEO of the sharks. Yeah. But then yeah. there's this guy who's got like a squid head. And is, he, is he king of the squids? He, no, but he's, on this, he's the other guy in the cover. And um, I thought that was the ragman. No, is that the guy from? Is that the guy from Jabba's palace? It, it looks like it, but at the end, in the last page, it, it's it's very much hinted that this is the actual Aquaman. But it's not. Well, I think it is. I'm so confused. Yes, but that's is this part an of the amnesia storyline. Wait, is the, the real, is the real Aquaman the shark man? Maybe. Now maybe maybe that's maybe that's Aqualad. Aqualad. Uh, he's a wuss, isn't he? Yeah, he's kind of a wuss. All right, all right. I'm, I'm I'm one year later out. Well, there's one more book I bought, which I don't have to really mention, which was Outsiders, and it is virtually the same as the previous. Are you sure it was the one year later Outsiders book? It's got the stamp on it. Um, The only difference is that it's a year later, but nothing changed. Nightwing (laughs) is the leader again. He was on the team for a while. But Um, I thought Nightwing isn't Nightwing one year later. Well, that's the rumor. We'll find out when the Nightwing book hits. So confused. Well, that's part of the fun is figuring out all these things. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I mean, admittedly, a lot of my brain is tied up with who, you know, who is Scott Summers' child. So it's hard to keep track of all those X Men right. relationships. Or the third the hours of the day. Yeah, actually, I just sit, I sit there with pads, just trying to sketch out the relations and figure out. Did who they ever was. say who the third Summers' brother was? Don't even get me started on that. By the way. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. You know why? Because the same fucking thing happened to me recently. Okay, this is a bit of a you tangent. Have a mysterious third mutant brother. This is a bit of a tangent, but um, but and actually um, and actually, I mean, this is a, uh, an early segue to our listener mail. But we did receive an email from uh, Jim Snow, who liked the podcast, and he reminded me, and I feel stupid that I didn't remember that the title of X Men: Deadly Genesis is a is a reference to um, the the title of the story in Giant Size X Men number one, which uh. the, the same title of Deadly Genesis of the that's how the new team, been, you know. Um, and he also agrees that's a horrible title, but if anybody's to blame, it's Len Wine and not Brubaker. But um, well, it's less horrible now that it's it's a homage. Yeah, but the but the but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because in that book we find out we found out that when for those of you who don't know X Men history is that the original X Men team went to go find a new mutant who turned out to be Krakoa, the Living Island, and he took them capture he captured them, and so Professor Xavier had to recruit a new team, and he recruited you know Nightcrawler and Wolverine and Storm and Colossus and Thunderbird and that team right. Banshee and Sunfire, and they went to go rescue them. Okay, what we didn't know was that he Mora Metagert was training a team of her own, and Xavier quickly trained them and sent them to go rescue them, and they failed. 
So, oh. so that, that's so Brubaker's book is telling the story of that failed team, mm-hmm. and on that team there is somebody named Vulcan who. Apparently, and spoiler alert, stop listening or skip yes, ahead a minute. 20 years. I stopped listening a long time ago. He Apparently, he is the third Summer Brother. Oh, really? But did I find that out in X-Men Deadly Genesis? No, I found that out in a two-page spread in Wizard. Because the issue that we find out that he's the third Summer Brother hasn't come out yet. Well, that'll hey, hold on. stop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here it is. You, do you, you're gonna hear any sympathy from us? None. I don't. I don't expect None. any sympathy. I'm punching myself. I, I threw the magazine. I was like, God. And they, you know, they did write spoiler alert. Don't read if you want to know who the third Summer Brothers is. Well, there's In like tiny a, little letters above. Yeah. The well, big there's letters. like a two-page picture of the character, and I'm like, Oh, God, damn it. So whatever. It's my own fault. I know. Is this gonna make you stop reading Wizard? No. Oh, <laughs> nothing. Oh. Will. Officially, nothing will. I don't know why. I, you know why? Because I really like those three pages where they show the new toys that are coming out. <laughs> then buy Toy Fair. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, but, so let me just quickly mention something else from the, from this week's books before we go off on a complete tangent. Yeah, um, and I apologize about that. That's okay. No, that's that's interesting because uh, it was. Yeah. No, I do find it interesting because I've always wondered who the third Summer's Brothers were. Well, there you go. Was. His name is Vulcan, and he is a, he, and he's a very powerful mutant. Apparently. Does he have pointy ears? No, he doesn't. Does he's he have, Vulcan. Does he have, I forget, two what he, I forget what his exact powers are. It's something with energy. And, I, don't know. <laughs> I thought it had something to do with, with rubber. Very logical. <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, Batman Annual 25 came out, which is odd in and of itself because they don't really do annuals anymore. I love um, annuals, by the way. Yeah. I did too, until yeah. they got stupid. When they were all tied in together, they were great. The whole point of this annual was to explain how Jason Todd came back to life. And it involves... Oh, because we all were, wanted, were dying to know. Well, I mean... 25 years, years I've been waiting for this answer. It involves a crisis and some energy wave from when Superboy broke through the reality barrier, and it involves Lazarus Pit and blah, 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 blah. I love the plot devices. It's like, well, if we use the Lazarus Pit and an energy barrier, then we can bring back Jason Todd. It's like, wait, wait, wait. What about the Speed Force? (laughs) What the Speed Force is? What about Hyper Time? (laughs) That's gone, isn't it? I hope so. That's been retconned. But the the notable thing about the miniseries, because otherwise it was mostly unnotable, is that when originally when Jason Todd was killed back in the 80s and we had that phone vote, we could vote he lives or dies, DC had to have two issues ready, one if he lives, one if he dies, because, you know, lead time and all that stuff. The issue where he lives went right in the drawer. It was back never, in olden days, too, right? Yeah, back in the... Before computers. The, before the internet. Before the dark times. And so hand color them. They had the, to... Before the empire. They put that issue in a drawer and never saw the light of day. They basically saw maybe a panel here or there, and stories about it, but you never saw any, anything from it. This, since time sort of gets altered, Superboy escapes, they show, they flash back to him actually living and surviving the attack from the Joker, and they showed the original art from that issue, where he lived, that never came out before. The legendary Jim Aparo. Right. So that was that was interesting. And that, that, that was, oh, that's cool. I mean, that's a good way to do it. At first I thought, wow, that's a really good uh, copy of his style. Then I looked at it and I went, wait, that's him. That's actually Jim Aparo. So, hmm. Good. That was good. Um, that's really cool. I think that may have been that may have been the first thing I ever bought the, in, in comics, was the trade of the death in the family. Ooh, let's play that game. What's your first comic book? Go. Josh? Death in the family trade. Okay, Connor. <laughs> I don't know. It was like when I was... You know. What's the earliest comic book you remember reading? G.I. Joe. Wow, interesting. Interesting. 
mine is G.I. Joe or Batman. I mean, I remember those two, but my, Joe well, was. my earliest my earliest comic book, like actual as a physical comic book, is also G.I. Joe. It's the it's the um, I, I remember I still have it at my parents' house. I think it's the um, and I remember when the, they they re released them in trades. I got it just to get that issue again. But it's the one with the flashback to Vietnam with Snake oh, yeah. Eyes and Storm Shadow. Oh yeah, twenty six, Yeah, with the arrow on the cover and like yeah, the picture. Yeah, yeah. but um, we but were the, consumed. <laughs> I remember <laughs> kindergarten. We were consumed with the, the mystery yeah. of Snake Eyes' identity. Um, I I read all of those probably three or four years ago for the first time, and I, I was consumed with it. Yeah. They're but, really good. They're good comics. Yeah, the, they are. The first comic that I actually remember, I think we got when we were in Europe, um, and it's a French uh, spy. Ooh! Stop. But you know who goes to Europe? Stop. Come on. Connor, who goes to Europe? Rich people. Rich people! <laughs> right. Or my dad on business, but anyway. <laughs> um, and you don't do business in Europe if you're not rich people. And... Um, and it was a Spider-Man comic, and it had uh, Spider-Man chasing the the guy, the dude on the spa- on the skateboard, uh, Rocket Racer, or whatever his name is, or whatever. Oh, Web of Spider-Man. Uh, no, no, but Spider-Man. it was it was it wasn't like a, a, an actual issue. It was like a, a like an anthology, but it was all in French. Oh. So like I didn't know what the <laughs> hell it said, but I just remember looking at every page and like trying to figure out the story and all. And I just I remember that the 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 guy in the the red and orange outfit on the skateboard and you know this afro and it was just like yeah. So anyway, because it was like 1980. But someday we should gone. do a we should do something on GI Joe because that probably is the yeah one comic that's responsible for more people reading comics than any other comic. Which is funny. Because it's so not like superhero-y. It's no, and, and it's funny because which is good. Yeah, but it, it's was, true. it used the it used the comic book medium really really well, and it has it has nothing to do with superheroes, but it's still yeah. that same like and ongoing. It was, well, I, was, I was hooked. I was well, so hooked. I mean, there's an argument can be made that they are superheroes. They never they wear the they have code names. They wear the same clothes. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, the costumes and all. Yeah. Um, but it was the, it was the use of the cartoon and the comics together at the same time back when they could. Um, never mind. Let's let's, let's do this another time. Like Here's a, a quick question for you guys: Is it at all surprising to you that my favorite X-Man is Cyclops and my favorite GI Joe character was Flint? No. Yeah, I think that. Was I would have thought I would have thought Duke is more. No, I don't like Duke. Duke was too Duke was too Aryan for me. I like Flint. Flint was the everyman. He was I related to Flint. <laughs> and you like you, you thought Lady J was hot? And... Oh, I love Lady J. You were right, just... That's weird. That's weird. Okay, so back to back to back to 2006. <laughs> um, so that was the most notable thing was that other than <clears throat> excuse me, other than those other books, yeah, was that annual and the fact that Jonah Hex had really really bad art for the first time. Ah, uh, cowboy, cowboy. And it almost Josh, there was a Jonah Hex book. Yes, you missed. Did you miss it? Oh, I must have. Do you just stumble around drunk? Like seriously, like uh, we've been doing this since we were kids. Like I want to go with you to your comic book store and watch you shop for your books. It sold out. It's not my fault. I just uh, go in there and I look. But you didn't even well, know it was going to be out. That's the thing. Yeah, I forgot to look. It was a very busy week. There's a you know there's, had... a, there's a great website called ifanboy.com. And, oh, go to hell! And they post every, <laughs> they post all the comics that come out every week, and you can go read it, it was, and then you can write down the books you want to get, and then you can go get them. You know, it was a busy week. It was uh, it was my birthday this week, Happy and birthday. then my computer died. I had to buy a new. Don't patronize me. You're all dirty. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, GI Joe. Ah, <laughs> oh, it was a busy week. Okay, a all lot right. of stuff going on at work. I so just there was. Didn't have it. There was another book that came out, which I don't think either of you guys got, that I did, um, that I actually did enjoy, despite my lackluster opinion of it on the site and the, and the conversations on the site, was Ms. Marvel number one uh, from Marvel, um, which 
was the kind of launching of her solo book after her kind of, you know, she comes out of House of M realizing she's not being the hero that she could be, and so she decides to dedicate herself to the hero's life. And mm. it was it was it was good because she has a blog now. No, the blog wasn't in this actually. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, but that it, was it, lame. It was it was kind of lame. But you it, think it, they'd get mad at her for that? Be like, listen, don't blog don't our whole blog, don't blog about our us. life. Come on. But um, but it it was good. It was I mean like and I and I apologize for sounding underwhelmed about it. But it was the first issue. But like the art was good, the story was good, and I think this book has a lot of promise. So Who's the good. writer again? The writer is uh, I know I asked this question on the website, but I don't remember. Um, hang on, let me get to the credit page. They, they I, I looked at it and I thought it was I thought it was the new Spider Woman for a second. No, the the Bendis and, and you were wrong. Uh, it was uh, written. So by, I didn't buy it. Written by Brian Reed and drawn by Roberto Della Torre. Mm. Um, but it was it was good. I mean, it was. What like, is the concept of this series? The concept is Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers, has realized that she's got great, that she has powers, and she could be a great hero like she was in House of M, and that she hasn't been living up to her potential, so she's trying to be, you know, like she, so she goes out on patrol, and she, you know, like she's not, you know, not joining the Avengers, she's doing the solo thing, and she's, you know. Does she have a squad car? No. And one of the things, like, when she's on patrol, <laughs> like, this this laser beam fl- flies by, and she calls Captain America, and then she's like, well, I'm calling Captain America, I can just go chase it. You know, like, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how how a superhero without the self-confidence that the, that Captain America might have struggles with being a superhero and try to be a, a better hero. So, it's it's a good premise. So, um, if that's looking- a, it, By the way, that, that sounds to me like a really easy thing for a, let's say, aspiring writer to probably get yeah. put together. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's it's a complete and total analogy to the life of a writer. Like, well, I, I really am better than this. I could be doing a lot more with it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, like case in point, in the beginning of the book, she tussles with Stiltman, who is one of those classic old Iron Man characters, um, villains, and she, she takes him down, and he has no idea who she is. And so she's like, geez, even Stiltman doesn't know who I am, you know. So, well, that's a little goofy because she's been an Avenger for like twenty. Well, years. yeah, but the, but the thing is that she was she was Ms. Marvel, and then she was Binary, and then she was Warbird, and now she's that's back true. to being Ms. Marvel, and she changed costumes, and she was never really. And that, they talk about that. She meets with a, P, a publicist, a PR person, and she calls her out on that. And she's like, you know, yes, you've been doing the hero thing, but you know, like all, all, the only thing people know about you is the tell-all book you wrote a couple of years ago, and like you know, so. Um, Ball four. No, he's not Paul for but um, but it was a good book. But it's interesting though because the cover was drawn by Frank Cho. Um, we we got some good listener mail on that, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. Um, actually, Steve um, Steve wrote us, and it, I I know I you know I try to read everyone's email, but you know everybody loves the podcast and listen to it regularly. So thank you, Steve. Um, his question isn't specifically about Ms. Marvel, but more about Frank Cho, because um, I guess we referred to him as, as in his work in Avengers as being pretty great art. And he wants to know if we really think he's a great artist. Um, <laughs> well, why don't you read what he said? Then we can, yeah, he says, we can one question. Off. Frank Cho is a great artist? Really? Even if all you want in a female character is big boobs? You have to admit that this stuff is just the same stuff every time. Brandy from Liberty Meadows is Mary Jane in Marvel Knight Spider-Man. Carol Danvers is Marvel or Spider-Woman. Is It's all the same chick. Same face, same straight on boob um, to the right, crooked boob to the left, same muscular legs. The dude is just a one-trick pony. On a positive note, you were right. You were right. Daredevil eighty two was awesome, <laughs> but he says keep up the great stuff, but get real about Cho. One um, for two, <laughs> which was. Which I was believe he called Cho a hack at the end, didn't he? Yes, he did actually. I scroll Ooh. down. He says, um, "P.S. I'm from Beltsville and shop at the same comic shop as Cho. He seems like a nice guy, but he is a hack. So if he Got shops it. at the same place and sees him, like you go up to him and be like, dude, you're a hack.' Oh <laughs> yeah. On it, you know, like <laughs> maybe Cho is listening. Are you yeah. Are you listening, Cho? If you are, Steve shops at your store and doesn't like you. Kick his ass. Yeah. 
I think I think that Cho is uh, I think he's a really good artist. And I think if you were to take out the big titty girls from everything, I'd still go. That's a nice looking comic book. He he does have a good look to a unique look to his his work. It's very smooth and clean, clean and very clean, and, yeah. and um, the thing is, it's easy to call out the boobs. It's easy to go to the boobs, mm-hmm. you know. But he draws in a slightly hyper realistic style, and I think that that's it. That, and I I recognize and agree somewhat with what he's saying about it being the same archetype of woman that he draws over and over again. But he probably does it the same thing with men. It's it's a hyper realistic style. And the other thing is that. That's something that he does really well. I mean, if you don't want that, that's fine, but he draws big, voluptuous women. Well, put him against, like, Jim Vallant. Who? Or Terry Dodson. Right. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. then you get, I mean, he's, he's clearly much better than the other two. Yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 he does bring that to the table, and if that annoys you, I can see how it would get to you. But there is a lot of other stuff going on. He draws a really good comic book. Those couple of issues of Avengers that he did were just... They were really nice-looking books, you know, with boobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, Steve, we, we respect your opinion, but we respectfully disagree. So, um, And we would love to hear what happens when you confront Frank Cho in the store. But, I mean, it just, it just like that's, it, that's, also, that's his thing. That's why he gets hired. True. He started off doing Liberty Meadows, and everyone read that because of Brandy. And that's that's his thing. That's his, you know, like like Frank Miller has giant feet. <laughs> I don't think that's what he does. I don't, I don't think that's what it started out. But that's what I don't he's think got that's now. why he gets hired. Yeah. I know, I know. He doesn't actually have giant feet. He draws giant feet. He actually has no. That's what I meant. I know. So uh, <laughs> so moving on, we have one more. Um, listen, it was a big week for listener mail. Um, and we have two. That's three. We had three. We had three. We had three. We had three. Okay. Um, and. This one comes from our good friend um, Jason, who uh, wrote in. He's he wrote in previously. He was the guy who the, the comics of the crack and that whole story. Um, he, he was saying, he, <laughs> "I guess you'll have to go to the catalog for that description." Yeah, go back. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he just read um, uh, X Men uh, Mythos number one, which is kind of a redo of the original X Men number one, and he thought it was very cool, and, and the art looked kind of like paintings and. Um, and it reminded him, you know, kind of a nostalgia trip. And I, I did read Mythos Number One, and I thought it was okay, but I thought it was better the fr- when Joe Casey did it with, and with Stephen Rood as Children of the Atom Number One. But um, so that, and then he also read the Avengers Disassemble trade a few months back, and then the first volume of New Avengers, and um, he liked them so much that he subscribed to New Avengers. In the most recent issue, um, with the one page, not even, um, not even put up a fight, Death of Alpha Flight. Nothing much happened. He was a little disappointed. It was like the first five-minute intro of a TV show that broke for commercial, except the commercial is going gonna to last for a month now. So It just went by quick. Yeah, I think, he's, I think he was upset that a team that's been around as long as Alpha Flight, like 30 years, he says they deserve at least a full issue, at least a good fight for them. Yeah, to but they're off. lame. I think, that's, I think that's the point of that. Now, te- I, but te- I think it's te- Bendis' joke. Yeah, I mean, and technically Alpha Flight is like a X-Men fam, like they're part of the X-Men family. And oh. I was a little upset to see them dealt with so They're quickly. Lame. But, but I don't think. But the thing <laughs> is, is that they've killed off Alpha Flight so many times because Connor. They're lame. And they always come back. So they, I don't think they're dead. I will yet. say that when I was at the Comic Con in New York yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, the, the uh, disaster, which Josh and I talked about in the podcast, which is currently trapped in his computer. Um, <laughs> they, the one panel I did attend was the X Men Civil War panel. They, they talked about Alpha Flight, and yeah. if, take them at their word, Alpha Flight is really dead. Well, we'll see. And there will be a new Alpha Flight team coming out of Civil War, but... Um, and then no one will read that book, and they'll kill them. Right. Anyway. And then this one will come back. And once again, as I made the point, I don't remember, this is one of the podcasts that went out. 
there was more of an uproar about the about North Star being gay than North Star being dead. True. Good point. I mean, this is ridiculous. But you you can just hear the like Bendis pitching the story. To, to I can hear it in my head, like talking to the, the the editors and just saying, and then Alpha Flight gets killed in the page. Isn't that funny? We kill them because they're Canadian and lame. <laughs> well, they're not lame because they're Canadian. They're just lame because they're lame. No, but you know that's the joke behind it. That's the little that's the little joke. Anyway, I'm, oh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Bad mouthing Canada. That's not the point. No, I know. The I know. Easy I know. joke is that they can be like, "Haha, the Canadian Avengers suck." So Jason also um, has been enjoying Walking Dead and Invincible, and he thanks us for the Invincible. Record. I have no problem with Canada. Um, as we continue to, <laughs> to, to pimp, Kirk is this Jones. still on? Um, he picked up the trades for them and likes them both. And then um, finally, the last two things, which is one of the reasons why I um, wanted to bring out, you know, read his entire email. Um, his son, who's seven, um, who was just who was curious about comics through video games, um, is now obsessed with comics as well. Well, that's good. So, so yeah, so it's pretty cool. So so the two of them have been going to they, they go to two lo- local comic shops, and and the, the kid was beside himself, and they're and they enjoy the podcast. So that's great. Oh, the they're son listens. Um, well, he says I am enjoying your podcast. Okay. I assume the son listens. I don't know. Uh, Jason, does your son listen to the podcast? Let us know. Hopefully not, because we do Finally, drop a curse every now and then. He says, we tempted him to start reading Daredevil, and then he says the last full issues he read of, of Daredevil were Daredevil 180 and 182, which he bought off the rack in a 7-Eleven when he was 12. Yikes. And for those of you who don't remember, 180 through 182 was the Bullseye Killing Electra books. Right. Ooh, that's a bit and, heavy. Which I thought was interesting because, he, and he sent a he sent you know um, a JPEG of the cover of, and it's the it's that one cover with uh, the big Daredevil and then Bull, Bullseye and Electra fighting. It says Bullseye versus Electra, one wins, one dies. Right. A uh, couple of years ago, I bought that issue as a back issue for like my like nice like my collection of nice back issues that I'm gonna frame and put on walls and that kind of thing. So uh, I didn't buy it when I was 12 at 7-Eleven, but I did get it recently and and. Those, that, that's just a classic. If you have never read those issues, you should go back and find the Frank Miller Visionary Daredevil trade paperback and read them. Cause the uh, the first volume, not as necessary. Like he he didn't he like there's three volumes of the Frank Marvel Visionary Daredevil. I have them all. The first one he's drawing. He's not writing them all. Right. And he's getting his legs under him. Is this stuff? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really nice looking, but it's the learning curve. Frank Miller. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in really like the the beginnings of a style, you can see it there, um, but it, they're not great, great comics. Not not the first volume. The second volume, you start to see that that's that seed of genius, I guess. <laughs> the seed of genius insanity. Well, the seed of genius that that had an end apparently. Oh, well, stop! S- speaking of ends, <laughs> how can people write us fan mail or listener mail, Ron? Yes, if you um, if you want to write us and let us know what you think of our opinions or what you think of comics or whatnot or what you think of Frank Cho, um, you can write us at contact at ifanboy.com. Or if anybody... Uh, if you are Frank Cho. <laughs> you can write us at contact. That'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you are a comic book professional and you listen to the podcast, drop us a line. Let us know. Um, also, if to you To placate our own sa- sorry egos. <laughs> the majority of our listeners are subscribed to, to us through iTunes, which is no surprise as iTunes is slowly taking over the world. Um, and if you notice that if you go to our little page in iTunes, a couple of people have left some very nice words about us. If you like the podcast, why don't you throw up some words about us? You know, let us know what you think. Let the rest of the share, share, share the iFanboy love with the rest of the world. So, um, that would be cool. Shape, That's a nice idea. Something yeah, else people can do is they can go to the Frapper map, which 
at this point, the long-time listeners cut their throats because they're tired of hearing about it. But can, ooh, can I spell the website? Go ahead. Do it. R F R A P P R dot com slash iFanboy. We are currently at sixty-nine pins. We've been at sixty-nine for a couple days now, and every day I check for that seventieth pin, and there is not a seventieth pin. Listen, people, this is the slow push to a hundred. Yes. Okay. A hundred people on our frapper map legitimatize us. That's true. We then have voting power in the greater podcast community. We get a seat in the we get a seat uh, in, in the, the Senate. Yes. <laughs> so please, you know, you just we know that we know there are more than sixty nine people who download the podcast. I know this for a fact. So some recent additions to the map are Charlie in Montreal, Quebec, another Canadian pe- pin. Um, I have yeah. nothing against you, Charlie. <laughs> or Alpha, or your, your superhero team. Glenn from yeah. Aubrey, Texas, and Ian from Ventura, California. Another Texas and California pin. Um, Lowell, Massachusetts, Tippa Magoo. And don't forget Doug in my hometown in Norwalk, Connecticut. We talked about Doug last podcast that's trapped in the phantom zone of Josh's hard drive. Oh, okay, so that'll and, come out. Uh, You'll hear it. You, you, and, you and Doug should hang out. Hey, Doug, I might have seen you at Stu's. You might have seen me at Stu's. <laughs> anyway. Um... Luckily, I, I cleverly have a picture on the Frapper map that hides how I what I really look like. So it makes yeah, but if you were to come at him feet first, <laughs> exactly. Or if he sees me wearing my Dark Hawk Dark Hawk, Dark Hawk Rules T-shirt, then he could. Here's the weird yeah. thing about the Frapper map: they've added a new feature that scrolls the picture along the bottom. Everybody's yeah, I like pictures. It so much. I like. That. They stop when it gets to the three of us, and that's really strange, don't you think? <laughs> well, it stops at one. What do you mean? This it goes backwards. Yeah, I don't know. It stops at know. Casey, who's the first picture after me. Okay. And don't you think that's odd? That's that's odd. I think you're odd. I'm a little odd. I have no idea who Darkhawk is. All right, that's that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I know, but um, I'm just saying, like, you keep mentioning. I have no idea. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know where me, he comes. I don't know what universe he's in. You and I'm me are gonna sit. You and me are gonna sit down, and I'm gonna school you a little bit in Darkhawk. He okay? loves Darkhawk. Darkhawk rules. And in Marvel Team Up, which came out this week, Darkhawk kicked ass. He was great. He does so. rule. Anyway, so that's another podcast. So uh, how many copies of Darkhawk on board do you have? Uh, Twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Still. Good night, everybody. <laughs> he foresaw a revolution that did not happen. After all this time, you still got all twenty-five. Yeah, they're in my closet. My parents. Yeah, I bet they're not anymore. No, they are. They're there. I know exactly where they are and what shelf they're on. He checks every time. <laughs> yes, I do, actually. When he goes back, on. he spends a half an hour in the closet. The guy at the uh, drugstore that I bought them from was like, thought I was crazy. It was like 1989 or 1990, and I bought all 25 copies they had on the rack. He was right. You deprived other people from lo- loving Darkhawk like you do. They were, hey, that's, that's true! Back, that's back when those books were a buck a piece. I know, I got Darkhawk number maybe, one. Maybe we'll start giving... Ooh, ooh, I fanboy giveaway. Should we, give, should we start giving away copies of Darkhawk number one? <laughs> okay, stay tuned, folks, for the, the future iFanboy giveaway when we figure out how we'll figure out how we do that. Because, you know, you all want Darkhawk number one. We can one. have a contest, and then that'll be the yeah, prize. Yeah, something. We'll figure it out. Next podcast, we'll figure it out. So, um, Because as of right now, Darkhawk number one is on eBay for... <laughs> Here we go, here we go. It's actually Darkhawk there. No- Darkhawk number one, near mint beauty, starting price forty seven cents. <laughs> you can buy it now for three ninety five. Oh, no, you can buy it now for a dollar ninety seven, shipping three ninety five. What if what if it's slabbed? <laughs> I should totally get it slabbed. <laughs> forty seven cents? Oh, times twenty five is eleven dollars and seventy five cents. Someone's got the entire lot of issues one through thirty four. 
the starting bid, bid is $0.99, cents and the shipping is $10. <laughs> Listen, folks, when what you're buying, it costs more to ship than what you're buying, don't buy it. Anyway, but we'll be giving away for free, so tune in to a later podcast. And shipping handling not included. <laughs> I'm all